to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Janet Arias. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'm excited about our conversation. Janet Arias is a founding partner of Blanco and Arias. She handles employment matters, including wrongful termination, retaliation, unlawful discrimination, and harassment due to race, gender, disability, and other protected categories. Ms. Arias also handles matters involving workers' compensation, wage and hour, and personal injury. Ms. Arias received her Juris Doctorate from the University of California, Hastings College of the Law in 2009. Ms. Arias graduated cum laude with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science with a Public Law Concentration and minor in Spanish from the California State University, Long Beach. Ms. Arias is admitted to practice before all California state courts, the United States Central District of California, and the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. She is a member of the California Employment Lawyers Association, Consumer Attorneys Association of Los Angeles, and the Mexican American Bar Association. Ms. Arias is fluent in Spanish. If she is not litigated in the courtroom, zealously advocating for her clients, she is traveling or at a Dodgers game. So, so Janet, what inspired you to become an attorney? You know, this is a really interesting question when I get it, because I've always wanted to be an attorney since I was, since I could remember, four years old, five years old, something like that. Um, and I have no idea where that idea came from because no one in my family is a lawyer. I was the first person to graduate college. So I have no idea where I, the idea came to me. But I remember in kindergarten or preschool, they ask you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always said, I want to be a lawyer. So um, I don't know. I have no idea. I grew mm -hmm. up with the idea of wanting to be a lawyer, grew up around no lawyers. I didn't meet the first lawyer until I was in high school. So wow. I have no idea how that idea really came about, but I followed through. And it's really funny because after I graduated um, law school and I took the bar and passed the bar, um, my mom, actually on my graduation day, my mom uh, gave a speech like during our La Raza graduation. Mm -hmm. She said, mm -hmm. you know, remember, you said, I, mom, I want to be a lawyer. And she pulled out like the piece of paper that you do in kindergarten that says, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it said a lawyer. So it's just, wow. But I have no idea, honestly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where that inspiration came from, but I know that I've always had it and I just kind of followed through and, and it was plan A always and, you know, never had any other plan B. Mm, so, I love yeah. that. I love yeah. the concept of your mom saving that piece of, you know, whether that was an assignment or the art piece or whatever that was, but her saving that and then being able to bring that up when you pass the bar. That's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Now, now, having had that, that idea with you, I mean, for decades at this point, right? What do you think, when you, when you think about your gift, I think it is a gift, this follow through, right? Or you might call it determination or passion or hard work. What do you think has really helped you to have that follow through that took you from a kindergartner with a, a dream to somebody who fulfilled that dream, even though Again, you were the first one to graduate college, as you said, in your family. And, um, and again, the first attorney in your family as well. What do you think really helped you with the follow through? You know, I think growing up, um, you know, with 
immigrant parents and always helping them and them not speaking English, I think I was always helping them. And I felt kind of a duty to have um, that voice for the voiceless. So I think it was just kind of, I was very passionate about helping other people, very passionate about, you know, protecting their rights. And, you know, ever since I was little, I was reviewing these documents and, you know, like fighting for like, you know, little things as a kid, right? But I think that really motivated motivated me to get to where I am. Like that desire to be the voice of the voiceless, the desire to help other people that are being taken advantage of. So I think that really um, helped me push to where I'm at and eventually, you know, uh, do the practice, the the type of law that I do practice now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I think, that concept, voice of the voiceless. I mean, that's a book title right there. So uh, <laughs> we might have to put that in our in our pocket to uh, for, for it to be your book, your book that you write later. But um, I love that. I love the concept, voice of the voiceless. Now let's go ahead and explore that a little bit. Like, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? And I, I think it just kind of what I said. I, I think um, helping people or or having the satisfaction of of vindicating someone's rights. I mean, I do employment law, also workers' compensation. So I feel that these people have been wrong without it being their fault. It's someone else taking advantage of them. So by me helping them with their employment matter or their workers' compensation matter, I feel like they are being vindicated. I mean, so many, especially the Latino community gets taken advantage of by these, you know, employers or, um, or just people that don't really are not very aware of the laws. So I think it's, it's the helping of, of, of people that are, that, that, you know, that have been, that have been wrong. And sometimes they don't even know that they, they've been wrong, right? They know that they got terminated. They have no idea. Or, you know, we also do workers' compensation. They've been hurt at work and they think that if they report it, they won't be able, they'll be fired or, you know, or whatever the case may be. So I think really um, helping people. And with that, I mean, if I'm, I'm going to tell you a quick story. A few, um, few years ago, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, we had a client actually had a workers' compensation injury. We settled his, his case for actually a pretty significant amount. Um, after he got the check in the mail, he called our office and he talked to my office manager and he says, you know, thank you so much. I never thought this was possible. I've been in this country for 40 years. I've worked so hard and I never imagined that I would be able to buy a house, you know, in this country. And thanks to you guys and really vindicating my rights, I'm now going to be able to purchase my house. So he sent, you know, he tells my, my um, office manager, she sends an email to all of us. And she says, you know, Mr. So-and-so called and he was really, really grateful. This is what he said, sends the email to everyone, like the attorneys and Mm. staff. So then my assistant um, response back by saying, if you ever regret being an attorney, just remember Mr. So-and-so's work. Mm. And that really hit me because I'm like, that's right. This is the reason why I became an attorney. Like to make sure, like he was so grateful. He said, you know, I never imagined that I, you know, that I would be able to be vindicated. And thanks mm-hmm. to you, not only am I vindicated, but now I'm going to be able to purchase my home. So that really, that really impacted me, especially when my assistant said, if you ever regret being an attorney, just remember his works. And and that really resonated with me. And just, I always keep it in the back of my head, like my mind, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is the reason why I do this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it, there's nothing better than having a client just 
thank you, you know, for what you did for them. And, and it feels really good. Yes. I feel like that's one of those moments. I can die a happy attorney, you know, with, with, uh, with something like that. That is such a beautiful thing to be a part of somebody's elevation of uh, being able to be a um, one, be vindicated to feel like, um, you know, and it's one of those things where I can imagine bitterness can so easily creep into somebody's life when they've been wronged. But for you to be a part of really I, the visual I'm getting is like of uh, that you're setting them free from the, the potential bitterness because you're vindicating them. And then you're even opening up possibilities of elevating their entire lifestyle and life and livelihood. And with, with this individual, as you described, being able to be a homeowner because of how effective of a job you did for, for him. Correct. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, I think that's, that's really the most satisfying portion of it. Like being, you know, getting my clients, get my clients coming back to me and say, thank you. You know, had it not been for you, this would not have been possible. Had it not been for you, you know, I would still be, you know, dealing with all these employment issues or, or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So I think that's really the most satisfying portion of my job. Yes, real. Now, when, you, when we talk about what you do, and I know we're going to get into it in a moment as far as how you decided to focus on it. But I, I'm also curious because people come to you um, and some people, some attorneys describe it as with um, the worst condition of their life or, or the worst parts of life or the ugly of life. Like, so how do you manage, like, as, as you know, hearing those situations, circumstances on an ongoing basis and then continue to navigate forward and upward in your, in your life and in your career? You know, I think it's, we, we hear it every day. I've heard it all. So I think, I mean, I'm very sympathetic, obviously. I mean, the majority of the people that come to us is because they've lost their job or they've gotten hurt on the job. And I mean, we spend the majority of time at our job. So just kind of really listening to them and, and assuring them that, you know, we've seen this happen before and we will be able to help them. So I just think that really provides them like a peace of mind. And it mm-hmm. also provides me a peace of mind that I know my clients will be, you know, they, they know that they'll be taken care of and I know that we're going to take care of them. So I think it just kind of creates a peace of mind. So it helps me, you know, move on and, and push forward with their case. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. <laughs> sure. No, no, it does. It does. I think uh, it's, it's, um, I, I can see how that's a reassuring power of Hey, we've been here before. This isn't brand new. I mean, we've helped, we've won, we've been victorious in this space before, and we're going to do everything we can to be victorious once again. So uh, let's get into that. Like, how did you decide to focus in, in, in employment matters, wrongful termination, retaliation, unlawful discrimination, harassment due to race, gender, disability, or other protected category? You know, um, when I graduated law school, I graduated law school in 09. So the job market was pretty bad. It's actually one of the, the first jobs that I landed at a at an employment litigation firm, and I loved it at first. I mean, that's I never that never really crossed my mind in law school or before law school. Um, I was more interested in being a criminal prosecutor um, because that's the only person that I actually had been, you know, uh, had I the only attorney that I had met was a district attorney, and that was when I was in high school. So that was always, you know, my goal. I'm gonna, you know, be a criminal prosecutor. But when I graduated law school, it it's um, no one was hiring. So I ended up at an employment firm and I loved it after I was there, you know, 
short period of time, I absolutely loved it. And I said, you know, this is kind of what I want to do and, and never really left, you know, ever since. Mm-hmm. And so now, it just, I just kind of landed. It was just, you know, I guess it was meant to be right. Sure. Sure. So, so I'm hearing this, it sounds like a little bit of fate, a little bit of fate, like, Hey, this is the, the only door that was opened. And you walk through that door and you figured out, you know, this is it. This is something that's meaningful. It's fulfilling. It's something that you want to spend your life devoted to. Yeah. And it's interesting every, even though, you know, it's, it's discrimination. Every case is completely different. I mean, I learn something new from every single case that I take on. So it's, it's exciting. It's actually a very exciting process. So, mm-hmm. like, so, uh, right. So, so t- tell me, so that's where you started. And at what point did you transition and go, you know what? Um, Cause you're, you're a, a partner of, right. of your law firm. So at what point did it go from, all right, Hey, well, I'm a, I'm an associate attorney or whatever you, you were in the first, um, in your first, uh, role as an attorney to, you know what, um, let's let me start my own in partner or however you did it. Tell me, tell me more how, how that took place and how that happened. So the very first firm that I was telling you about where I was, it was an employment firm. Um, one of my coworkers, he did workers' compensation there, and we just kind of hit it off. We became really good friends at the time, and I saw how driven he was, very business oriented. And one day we were just having a conversation. He's like, "My goal is to, you know, have my own firm." And I told him, "You know what? If you ever decide to have your own firm, I will partner up with you because I like the way you work. I like your work ethic." you are so like, you know, you're so driven. I, I want to be part of that. Right. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't partner up with anyone um, else. I mean, and this is 11 years ago, you know, 10 years ago that I told him this. Mm-hmm. So that was just kind of in the back of his head. And like, you know, like she told me we were going to partner up. So we worked there. Then we went our separate ways at different firms. We did, he went to a defense firm. I went to a defense firm too, for a few years. And then one day he calls me up and he's like, let's have lunch. He calls me up. We go to lunch and then he gives me a business card, right? And I saw it and I'm like, oh, you know, thanks. And I put it away. I was like, why are you giving me a business card? We're like best friends. Why would you give me your business card? Mm-hmm. He's like, read it. And I saw it was like the law offices of Robert Blanco. And I was like, whoa. He's like, remember you told me, you know, five, six years ago, um, six years ago, something like that, um, that if I ever started my own firm, you would partner up with me. He's like, so here we are. Like, are you ready? And at the time, <laughs> ready because I mean he just kind of just popped it up (laughs) and um I told him like I don't know what to tell you he's like you said that if I ever started (laughs) up with me and I here I am and I you know I need a partner and I'm like you should have told me before you started not once you already started it so I told him you know it's fine I you know I let me think about it I came home and I said if this is the perfect opportunity I mean I like his work ethic. We have very, very similar work ethics and there's no one better, no one else I would rather partner up with than him. So I either do it now or I have no idea when I'm going to do it. So I made all necessary arrangements. I told him, okay, I will join you on this day. And, you know, so I was very great. I mean, I'm very grateful for him because he started it from the ground up and then I supported him, um, you know, supported the, the building of the firm. And then once it was already all done and set up, then I just, you know, joined in. And so it was a great, it was, it was a great experience. I think that um, 
it's something that I was always in the back of my head. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. It's something that I always wanted and I knew who I wanted to do this with and mm -hmm. the opportunity arose, you know, I had to really like, okay, let's do this. And, you know, we managed to, to do it and here we are, you know, I think we've been, I've been for three years, uh, actually four years already. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the firm has been in existence for five years and I've been with the firm as a, as a equity partner for four years. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, so tell me, I, I, I did catch one detail I'm curious about. You could totally pass on this question because it wasn't part of our, you know, our, uh, our agenda, but, um, okay. So you're a founding partner of Blanco and Arias, meaning sure. that the business card he gave you was, was, you know, Robert Blanco or whatever. So at what point did, did, did we go, Hey, um, you know, hey Robert, we're gonna we're gonna change the name, or hey, we're gonna include me. You know, me in 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 my last name in the brand. Or tell me, like, how did that take place, and what happened there? That was from the beginning when he approached me. That you know, like I want a partner. That was that was from the beginning. You know, I was gonna be a founding partner. I was gonna be mm. a. Partner. It was from you know he was looking for a partner. He wasn't looking for an associate. So that was, that was from the, you know, from, from the beginning. And it was going to be like, okay. And we played around with, is it going to be Arias and Blanco or is it going to be, you know, Blanco and Arias? We actually had another partner early on, but then, you know, he was doing a little bit different practice areas more. He wanted to focus more on defense. So, um, mm -hmm. we best, you know, we came to an agreement that he wanted to do defense work. We wanted to do plaintiff's work. So, um, so we were towing around with the, with the names, you know, is it going to be mm -hmm. Blanco Arias or is it going to be Arias and Blanco? But there is another attorney that does employment, um, law here in Southern California and his last name is Arias and it starts with Arias. So we didn't want to get confused that if someone's trying to find me and they end up with that firm. So that's why we swapped it to Blanco and Arias. Oh, savvy, savvy, respect. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. That we were not going to negotiate that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I love the story because I know the attorneys, I've interviewed attorneys that are on their own law firms and attorneys that are still, you know, working elsewhere as associates or in other various roles. But the vision of you don't even know um, the power of your relationships with other attorneys that you're working with at the law firms who can one day be business partners with you and have your two names on the on the uh, on the brand. Um, anyway, it's just a power. It's powerful to think about how one friendship in in uh, with a colleague can lead into a um, a it's an, an entire entity of a business developing, growing, and of course now blossoming. Right, right. No, definitely agreed. And I mean, we were baby attorneys. We had been licensed for less than a year. You know, a few months. When, when this conversation happened and he never forgot it. And I never forgot it either, either, but I think I was really waiting for him to make that, take that leap. And once mm. he did, then I had no other choice, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I told him that I would partner up with him if he ever decided to start his own firm. And here we are. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Now, what has been one challenge you faced as an attorney and have overcome? You know, this, I think... Being Latina attorney, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. I feel like from the beginning, I mean, I've had to, I feel like I've had to prove myself more than if I was a white male or non, you know, Latina lawyer. I feel like, you know, I walk, I've walked into opposing counsel's office for a deposition. And the first thing that the receptionist would say was, 
you know, are you the interpreter? Are you the court reporter? And I'm like, the suit doesn't say anything, right? Yeah. Like at first I would get a little upset, you know, my first few years of practice. Afterwards, I just kind of take it like a joke. I'd be like, try again, you know, or or you know, be like, you want to call a friend and you know, and 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 um and pick a lifeline, like you know, <laughs> and um so I think that's probably been the the, the most difficult um, feeling that I need to uh, prove myself more to opposing counsel to even judges you know I mean I've been before judges where I feel like they're giving me a much harder time um, whereas you know parties that go before me uh, you know on the calendar before me and it's a white male attorney I feel like they don't get as you know they don't they don't they don't get the same treatment I feel like you know they they can pass with 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 um, just anything so I think just you know being Latina, being a lawyer, um, first generation, all these other things. I think that it's been, it's, I feel like I have to, you know, um, I've second guessed myself throughout my career sometimes, you know, um, I've had to, I feel like I've had to prove myself multiple times. I mean, like I said, whether it's with opposing counsel or with a judge or, you know, and, and, and even my clients too, even my clients, my clients, I mean, I've had clients in the past where I've talked to them throughout the course of their case for like a year. And then one day they come in and they're like, you know, I, you know, I've never met the attorney. I'm like, I <laughs> like, you have met with you for the last year. And they're like, oh, you know, I, it's, that's not who I would picture to be my attorney. You know, you look really young you know, or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So I think that really, um, that has probably been the most difficult um, to deal with throughout my career. The fact that, you know, make sure that I don't second guess myself, make sure that I, you know, um, uh, like I not get upset if I feel like I'm, you know, prove, like have to prove myself again to someone or, 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 um, or like I'm being asked more than others. Like, don't get, don't let that get to me, you know, mm -hmm. It's part of you know what we have to deal what we have to deal with, and hopefully one day you know that that won't be the case. Hopefully one day the legal community will be more diverse. There'll be more Latinas, more you know female attorneys. Um, I think you know if if I remember correctly, there's about two percent Latina attorneys throughout the nation, or something. Mm -hmm. it's a very small percentage. So I think hopefully in the future that will change, and there'll be a lot more female Latinas where we won't be able. You know, we won't go through this of you know mm -hmm. the interpreter, and I get that, you know, nonstop. Are you the interpreter? I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the name on my on my business card doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. What else do you want? Sure. You know, I, I've heard that um, that concept that the Latina attorneys face over and over again. I think I'm at like 25 attorneys of, of Latina attorneys I've interviewed at this point, um, but but I think I I've I hear about it, and I think I have. I think this is the respect I have for the power that you um, and your and your other Latina attorney colleagues, um, uh, the respect that in the power that you you all are displaying, as you mentioned, um, that you guys you all are giving this early powerful impression of of who a Latina attorney is, what a Latina you know is is all about, and even. Um, I, I love the concept of trailblazing and making it easier for the next people coming up. And, uh, and so I, I, I think one, I've, I've heard that, that challenge before. And, and I think two, I think all the more uh, respect I have for you in uh, persevering and enduring through that. Um, and, I, and I feel like 
as time moves forward, uh, we're going to have a whole lot more stories to tell about how difficult it was in the beginning, but then how much easier we, um, people like you made it for people who were for the, for the Latina attorneys who were coming behind you. Um, so anyway, um, much respect to you and what you do and, and facing those, those challenges that other people won't have to face in the same way. Thank you. And, uh, and, and I'll use this opportunity to plug, um, I know we, um, my, one of my partners and I, uh, along with another attorney here in, in San Antonio, we've, uh, we've put together a program to, to facilitate a scholarship for, um, for Latina attorneys. So uh, more to come on that. Um, but, but, uh, but back to that 2% figure, to the, the concept of working together um, to grow uh, that, that demographic is something that is, has been um, pulling on my heart and, and, and to, to, to have more attorneys like you in the world. Right, yeah. And I think it's important, you know, I, I think it's very important to have a diverse legal community because our clientele are diverse. And I think it's important that, you know, at some point also we end up making it on the bench because, you know, we need, we need a diverse bench as well. But I think, I think it's kind of hard also for, for especially Latina you know, Latina attorneys, because we also have that, you know, family expectation of having a family, right? And do you, do you have a family and, 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 you know, dedicate yourself to a family or you dedicate yourself to the practice of law, which is, you know, pretty, it could be pretty rigorous and, and stressful, or, you know, do you just do part-time, you know, each, each one? So I think that's why also it's a lot more difficult. I mean, I have friends who have you know, our attorneys and they have, they're having a very difficult time making that decision to step away a little bit to be able to raise a family or, or others that are dealing with, you know, do I, do I not, you know, spend much time with my kids and then also, you know, focus on my career as well, because I've worked so hard. I mean, it's kind of like an ongoing battle between, you know, your personal life and raising a family, which, you know, society expects that from, you know, mm-hmm. from female um, Latinas or, or just, you know, females in general. So it's, it's, it's kind of like an ongoing battle. So I think that may also have, um, an impact on why the percentage is so low, but I think having, you know, programs to allow you to have, you know, that work-life balance, um, you know, would, would really help improve the numbers as well. Mm. And I think, I think owning your own firm, I think it, it, there's a possibility of doing that too. Obviously in the beginning, it's a little hard because there's so much management that goes into it, but eventually I think it'll, it'll get to the point where I'm less, you know, litigating less and just kind of managing, hopefully mm-hmm. in a couple of years, that'll be the case. Yes. And, and that's an entire different podcast. We got to, we, we got to talk about you as the um, I think scaling, I think I love hearing about what you just described that the uh, Latina attorneys in the space to be able to scale and bring on other attorneys to their firm and, uh, and being, being able to have more flexibility um, with, uh, with their schedule as well. Um, so I love that. I, I, I love that notion. Um, now, let me ask you a similar question. Let me be a little bit of a different spin. Um, what is one common challenge you've seen other attorneys face and what do you think is a great solution to that challenge? Um, I think the biggest challenge, and I think it, it varies depending on, on, you know, how long you've been interning. I think early on the challenge is, you know, 
the amount of work that you do, the amount of hours that you spend working and not having that work-life balance. You know, it's, it's really easy to get lost in your work and forget about your life. And then I know because I've, I've been there the first two years of my practice, I feel, I feel like, um, like I, like I worked too much and I was killing myself. And then one day I just kind of stepped back and said, you know, this is, this is not right. I need to do something about it. So I think later I started, um, you know, getting into the idea of you're not going to work on at least Sunday. Let's just don't work on Sunday. You know, you can work your butt off Monday through Friday and then just take Sunday off. If Saturday you need to work, work, then go for it. If not, then, you know, don't work. So I think that's in the beginning of your career, I think that's kind of like the biggest challenge. Like, you know, having that work-life balance. And I think once you've managed that, I think there's other challenges also. And that's, uh, it's not being jaded by, by, you know, all of your cases and making sure you put the same effort because after a few years of like seeing the same type of things, I can see how some people might get a little jaded and they're not putting the same effort into it. Um, so I just think it depends on, on, on where you are in your career, but those have been primarily like the biggest challenges that I've seen in other attorneys first is they work too much. Then they get to the point where I feel like to some extent, they don't care, uh, you know, it, mm -hmm. it can happen. I mean, and just based on my interactions with other people that have been in practice for 10 plus years, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. like, don't you care? Shouldn't you put the same effort that you did for the last client five years ago? So I think that's probably the, some of the challenges that I've seen in other attorneys. Mm. Um, I hope I'm never there, you know, where I'm, I'm dated. <laughs> and at that point, I think it's time to just retire. But, um, <laughs> but I think that's, that's kind of like what I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, um, the biggest, you know, the big, the biggest challenges that I, that I've seen. And it just takes a, you know, you need to take a moment to step back and then, you know, think again, why is it that you're doing what you're doing? Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, you're speaking my language because naturally at, <laughs> as a coach, right. That's, that's kind of what I specialize in helping helping the, the man behind the brand, helping the lady behind the label and helping the person um, behind it all. Because uh, yes, to your point, you can be an exceptional professional, but then if things behind the scenes aren't going well, then that's eventually going to affect the profession. It's eventually going to affect work performance, and uh, and I and, and I, I I feel that. So so I I really appreciate both perspectives. One of the workaholic early on, and then I can totally see how the workaholic can lead to that other the jaded experience without proper reflection and. Um, well, I, I, I suppose the, the, without the proper support to um, dig behind the maybe some of the roots behind some of those tendencies to become, uh, like you said, jaded or um, are, uh, darkened or whatever you want to use to describe that concept. But, um, but I, I appreciate the, the insight. I don't think anybody's ever answered that question about being jaded, but I think that's a, it's a, it's a new insight that I, I, I definitely appreciate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just based on, you know, my conversations with other colleagues and, you know, how they feel about their job or their practice or, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think, I think, you know, the rest component is so pivotal, right. And because especially like, for, um, I think if, if, if I would look at the amount of motivating things that people who are talking about working harder, like the, you know, the, the, 
uh, I, I was in a coaching session the other day with an attorney from California and, and, and she brought up the idea. She's like, I know, I know all the motivational speakers say to wake up at four or 5 a.m., but, but she was just telling me like, that's just difficult to do over and over again. And I, you know, I was sharing with her, I was like, look, you know, for me, 40 to 60 hours is 40 to 60 hours of work. If I do that early in the morning, late at night, wherever I do it. Um, but anyway, I, I think the, the concept of rest, rejuvenation, knowing how to replenish oneself is pivotal for not just excelling in the short term, but really in the long term, because and I, and I don't know how many you've known, but, you know, me hearing stories about, you know, um, strokes or heart attacks or things like that, that, um, that I don't know any attorney that is, it wants to do that. But if they build their life in a certain way with all the stress and pressure, that seems to be more and more likely. Yes. Oh, completely agree. True. <laughs> <laughs> We are definitely in a stressful career, so we don't take a step back and really recharge. I think we're all we're all headed that way. Mm -hmm. Now, um, for you, what has been the best way to establish clients in your law firm? I think every law firm starting out, that's the biggest problem they're trying to solve, which is like, how do I get more clients or how do I get clients in the, in the first place? What, 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 um, what's really worked for you and your law firm in that space? Yeah, well, really, you know what, I think a lot of it and, and we haven't really advertised in the last, I would say two and a half years, maybe three years. And the reason for that is our biggest source of client referrals is our own clients. So we do a great job at them. And then we get two, three, four clients, you know, out of that one client. So I think that's really what, what has worked for us, just doing a really good job on, you know, on their case, not just doing their really, not just doing the job, but also maintaining that constant communication with our clients. And I think they really, really like the fact that, you know, we're in constant communication with them, we're updating them, and then we get a good result for them. So that results in, um, in referrals, you know, they'll be like, oh yeah, my lawyer did this for me. And then they send them over. So I think the majority of our clients that we have now have been referred by another client um, or they come back, you know, they have another issue, you know, two, three years later and we're there for them. And so I think that has been our biggest uh, source of, of getting clients. Early on, we did do print advertisement for about a year or so. That was a little bit difficult, um, one, because it is, it's, it's expensive. And then two, you know, our are the cases that would come in were not that great sometimes. So we had to either, because we were starting off, we didn't really want to reject it. We knew it wasn't going to be a big case. They weren't going to get, you know, it, um, but we would still take it just for that referral, the referral source. Mm -hmm. So that has been our biggest referral source. Also other, other colleagues, other, other attorneys um, have been great because our practice area is very, interesting. Um, not very many uh, firms do. I mean, while some firms, a lot of firms do employment, we do workers compensation and employment. So a lot of our, my employment cases stem from a workers compensation case, like the person gets injured, and then after they get injured, they get fired, or they don't get returned to work. So we we have that, um, that um, uh, both, you know, the, those crossover cases, and or it's a workers' compensation case, and they were injured by a third party. So now we have an employment PI and work comp crossover. So we we have built this niche of the crossover cases that I think that other attorneys will refer cases uh, to us because 
they want to have the same firm handling both aspects of the litigation, the workers' compensation and the employment aspect, because then, you know, the left is talking to the right as opposed to, you know, one attorney doing their own thing and then the other one doing the other thing and then affecting one or the other litigation. So um, those have been primarily our referral sources. Um, we haven't really done much advertising, honestly. I mean, I think we kind of need to jumpstart on, on, especially on uh, internet advertising, but for now it's only been our current clients and, uh, and other colleagues, other, other attorneys. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's something powerful about that. I mean, there's, there's power in considering, um, I mean, again, having interviewed 25 other attorneys, I'm, I'm just, I ask this question over and over again. I'm okay. What are you doing? Hey, what's helping you? Like, Okay. Hey, Instagram or somebody else like hey, social. It's Facebook and YouTube, and then somebody else is going. Hey, we just rented a um, a billboard, you know, and and so I'll follow up with them. Hey, how's the billboard going? Because I want to know because I want to be able to share with with other people. But to hear the power of what you just said to go two and a half years of your estimation without um, any paid advertising. So so that's not that's that's not paper. That's not TV. That's not no no paid. I mean, no paid advertising for social media. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. I mean, in one, you're, you're, y'all, y'all are still in business and y'all seem to be doing well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm super, we're super busy. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing that, you know, we have been able to deliver to our clients to be able to, you know, get either return clients or they, they refer out their, you know, their friends, family, everyone, you know, um, and, and we have expanded our network from Southern California to um, Northern California. So we have some clients in Northern California and they would, they, even though, you know, we told them we're in Southern California, they're, they're like, it's, it's fine. You know, we would rather mm -hmm. hire you. So it's, it's really, really help. Like the, the work that we do for one client that, I mean, will give us clients for a really long time. Sure. Let me ask about the question um, of colleagues, and I think that's something that new new law firms are are asking. Are they 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 want to know um, if they're going to go from again they're fresh out of law school, they went right into the loan law firm, and and they're asking this question: How do I establish um, great relationships with other attorneys? who we could potentially be great synergistic referral partners. What would your advice be about that? About um, them, you know, setting up those referral partnerships with attorneys. What would, what would you advise? What, what would that look like? Uh, I think a lot of networking. I mean, just social events. It doesn't have to be just, um, you know, bar associations. I mean, I've created referral sources at the gym. You know, I run into another attorney and, you know, and then I meet them or... I've been on business trips to uh, Northern California. I went to law school in Northern California. So sometimes I would go and then I would, you know, uh, a, a law school friend decided to bring another friend that's an attorney and we just kind of, you know, hit it off, you know, as a, you know, just as a friend, right? And then mm -hmm. I think by them seeing your, your, um, your personality as just a regular person, I think would really, you know, say, okay, well, if this person is, is a great friend or a great person, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to do great with, with my client referrals. So I think that really has helped us. I mean, just my network before forming my, my firm was really big. I mean, from the Bay area all the way to Southern California. So I had a lot of friends. So now they just refer the cases over to me. So I think building that 
that network of not just, you know, within the legal community, but just everywhere. Um, I think that really, really helps, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge Dodger fan. So, I mean, even at Dodger games, you know, I've, I've, my seat neighbors have, you know, I, there was an attorney that was, you know, two seats away. And then, you know, we kind of, uh, um, kind of, you know, started talking about baseball and then that mm -hmm. led to client referrals or, or things like that. You wow. know? So I think it's just your everyday life where you create these networks. You never know where, where, you know, these referrals are going to, you know, come by. Like that's how we met. There's, there's a firm that we co-counsel on cases and they will send us all the workers' compensation cases. They'll send me the employment cases or things like that. But it's, it, and those are relationships that we built, even though they're attorneys, we build them outside of attorney networking. Yes. No, it does. It does. I mean, I, the principle I'm taking, I'm taking from you as is be friendly wherever you go. So right. yes, yes, with the bar association networking, ha, you know, happy hour or mixers that they set up, but also everything you're doing, you're on vacation, if you're on, if you're at the gym, if you're at a baseball game, as you mentioned, um, being friendly, or maybe the proverb says, um, um, kindness rewards itself. And that's what I'm hearing from you is hey, you're kind, you you're okay with being a human, a person, a human being, wherever you go. And people seeing that, uh, that down to earth person has, uh, in some ways won them over to want to, um, want to, want to help you. Right. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I get, I get referrals from, you know, people that I met randomly and they're, they're lawyers too. So, uh, but they always, you know, keep in mind that I do this type of law and I, it's a constant referral. So mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's phenomenal insight. Um, now, for somebody just started a law firm, and I just asked kind of that question, but but if if w w would you give any specific advice to somebody who is just starting their law firm? Um, how what would you tell them? What would you how would you guide them? Um, what would you say to them? I think the first thing would be don't be afraid, because I think a lot of times we are, you know, things we don't do things because we are afraid. So just don't be afraid. That would be my number one advice. Don't be afraid. Go for it. It's not the first year, not the first third, not the first person to do this. Um, and I think a lot of us that have been there are willing to help, you know, are willing to guide, you know, new attorneys. Like, what did we do? You know, what did we do when we were setting up our case management software or things like that? You know, early on in, in, in the, in our firm, we were really, really conscious about overhead costs and how are we going to keep that down just to make sure that we grow our firm, right? And we're not in a bind at the end of the month or whatever. So I think that also reaching out to other people um, is really important. Like, how did they? How did they, did they get to this point? So because it's it, when you start the firm, I mean, there's all these like advertisements of of things that you know, can help you, but we have to also be conscious of, of where you are financially and where you want to be financially. So um, I think really look into, into what you can do to reduce overhead costs, number one. Number two, to get other mentors, reach out to bar associations that, you know, like for me, the Employment Lawyers Association has been amazing. I mean, providing so many tips and, and ideas on how to litigate when it comes to, you know, certain cases, when it comes to firm management, I think that we have, you know, look to other people that have also done it to see, get ideas and, and, and 
and be able to help us in, in managing the firm and growing the firm and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Nice. I like it. All right. So people are going to, some of, some of the, my lawyer friends are going to be uh, emailing you and sure. asking. <laughs> um, I'm, happy. I'm more than happy to answer those questions. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's great insight. I think I, I love the even concept about fear. Fear is, can be so crippling if we let it, it can prevent us from trying, attempting, um, exploring, adventuring. Um, but I think uh, you're, you're right. Like not allowing fear to hold us back in whatever endeavor is before us um, is, is a really powerful thing. It's, you know, especially in, in the world of law, because, and, and pe- different attorneys have told me like, there's, you're, you're afraid of, you know, you don't, you don't want to lose your, you know, do something, lose your license. You don't do something wrong. Um, Sometimes there could be even that fear of, uh, of mistakes. Um, But I think that's great insight. Yeah. Yeah. There's fear, you know, there's, I I think starting your own firm, there's, there's fear. Like for me, my biggest fear was I'm going to leave a full-time well-paid job, you know, nice. I mean, it, it was, it was great to, for something that's unknown because we're plaintiff's work. It's contingency. We don't know what's going to happen next month or the following month. So, um, but, you know, decided to do it and here we are. And I mean, been very, very blessed that it's, it's been very good. It's probably been the best decision that I've made. Mm. Um, I don't think I would have gone any other way. I think it was came at the right time. Um, we have been able to grow our firm. I mean, we had a lot of, help from family, uh, you know, I mean, amazing help. Um, the first few staff members, our first few staff members were family. It was mm-hmm. my mom was, is the office manager. She's still our office manager. My brother's, my litigation is uh, paralegal. So they, they really, really helped us from the beginning. And obviously now we have, you know, three or four other, five other staff members. So, um, you know, it was, it was, it was great that they, we had that help, but, um, you know, that was always keeping in mind, you know, the lower overhead costs and, and you know, where they're, they're really going to help us. And they have made, made us, you know, successful. And thank mm-hmm. God. Us. <laughs> yes, I love that. Uh, maximizing the network even more um, and, and keeping the lower, the overhead costs low. Um, well, um, Jenna, I want, I want to ask you one more question. I know we, we didn't get to all of the questions. I will to let you know you, you are invited to come back. We'll, we'll have to set up some, some time after a few weeks um, for you to come back and share some more of your insight. But I do want to give you one last question for us to close. What are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? Uh, some of the favorite qualities, I think it's I, I driven, you know, goal oriented. I think since that's the type of person that I am, I've mm. always set myself, you know, goals, and I've always challenged myself, I've always sought out new challenges. So I think, you know, my favorite, my favorite people are always very goal oriented, and are always seeking challenges. I mean, comes with, you know, my business partner, mm-hmm. that's who he is, you know, my boyfriend, that's how he is, you know, my close friends, that's how they are always really challenging themselves and always bettering themselves and then bettering those around them. So providing that, um, you know, that, that support system for those around, around them. So those are some of the qualities of, of my favorite people, um, you know, that they're really goal oriented, very, uh, always seeking challenges and, and bettering themselves. And by bettering themselves, they better everyone around them, you know, their significant other, their, their, their family, their siblings, their parents. And I think, I think that's really important. Yes. 
<laughs> I like those qualities too. Right. And and I, I do want to tell you if your if your partner so is, is Robert Blanco is that his name his name Robert Blanco yes uh, Robert Blanco if, if you're listening to this part of the podcast I want to tell you fantastic job well done your passion certainly helped the partnership to even come together from the get go um, the boyfriend I also want to tell you well done as well because it, clearly you're, you're just so determined she would talk about you when you're not around in a positive way that's a good thing as well well well, well listen um, uh, Janet. Uh, Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. All right, listeners. Well, thank you for tuning in with us. Of course, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Feel free to go over to Apple Podcasts and give us the five-star rating. Um, remember to subscribe, and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.